You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it is by far the easiest way that I have found to shop for tickets because I can be anywhere. And with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I've used the SeatGeek app in the past here in Dallas where I live to buy Mavericks tickets to go see Yogi play, uh, to go to Rangers games, used it before to buy IU tickets when up in Bloomington. And I certainly plan on using it in the future because of how easy it is. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. And using SeatGeek actually saves you time and money because they search multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. And best of all, listeners to the Assembly Call get $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 75th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 403rd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, May 10th, 2018. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. Oh, Hoosiers have won the national championship. On Tuesday morning, our friend Alex Bozich posted his first 2019 recruiting big board over at Inside the Hall. And while Alex doesn't explicitly state this on his post, these types of recruiting boards are usually listed in order of some combination of what level of priority a player is for IU and how high the mutual interest is surmised to be. And as you start going down the board from the top... Trace Jackson Davis, five-star. Keon Brooks, five-star. Trendon Watford, five-star. DJ Carton, high four-star, probably soon to be five-star. Matt Hurt, Romeo-level five-star, meaning he's a top-five player in the class. And it goes on from there with a bevy of talented four-star guards coming next. And by the way, if this sounds familiar to you, it should, because I outlined this very same point in a recent episode. But now, in the wake of Romeo Langford's commitment, I want to underline it. 
and bold it and italicize it. Because with Romeo giving IU and Archie his stamp of approval, none of these five-star targets really seem all that out of reach. In just the second year of Archie Miller's tenure, Indiana is already recruiting like a national power again. The Hoosiers have a top 10 class for 2018 and are in position to do it again in 2019. So I hope that you will accept my apologies for bringing this point up yet again. But my hunch is that it will be a long, long time before you truly get tired of hearing one of us make optimistic and effusive comments on Archie's recruiting momentum. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left, he is one of the world's most respected bracketologists and the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your bottoms line on the last week in IU basketball? <laughs> Boy, I don't even know how to I don't know how to follow that up. Uh, you know, I think we get into these off seasons where you know we were joking about this a little bit before uh, we came on about you know the, the off season and and the things you got to find to talk about. Um, but I will say a couple of things this week that I that I enjoyed that kind of at least whet your appetite a little bit for IU basketball and, and some good stories. And they're both in in podcast form. So not to pander to the host, but I thought uh, Jared's conversation on podcast on the brink with uh, Angelo Pizzo was really good. Some good, uh, some really good anecdotes and stories from him about, uh, you know, his, his past and his experience with the program, both as a student and then uh, in the aftermath of, of Hoosiers, but also hearing some of his thoughts about Archie Miller going forward and the things that he'd seen and uh, what he, what he likes about the program, I think were uh, certainly encouraging and, uh, and were fun to hear from him. And then the uh, Mind Your Banners conversation between Chronic Hoosier and Jordan Holes. Uh, I think I could have listened to Jordan talk about basketball for for far longer than the 45 minutes or so that it was there. And um, just his affinity for the program and for Bloomington and, uh, and his excitement about the program going forward and what he'd seen uh, from watching from you know Germany over the course of the season. And then hearing his stats from Germany made me want him on the team that much more than normal. The 50-plus percent three-point shooting and the fact that he missed all of two free throws uh, over the entirety of the season was... Uh, could have used that last year. Yeah, could have certainly used that. It was funny. And he, and like, he was really, genuinely upset about it. <laughs> yeah, he was really mad about it, too. And then he was trying to remember. He had, he then he, he then recalled another time where he was asked to miss one on purpose toward the end-game end situation. <laughs> and it sounded like it was a really hard thing for him to do. So... Um, just, just, I don't know, fun stuff to, you, you know, it's not recruiting. It's not, uh, you know, necessarily specific things or, or game breakdowns. But, uh, you know, we talked a lot last week about the excitement for the program and how that has, uh, you know, really built and sustained itself even uh, as we move into the, the middle of May. And I thought those were at least a couple of things that uh, can keep everybody excited as we move forward. And now... To my right, he is the man who is clogging your Twitter timelines with live pitch-by-pitch updates of the San Diego Padres that, frankly, you didn't ask for, but now you can't avoid. He's a columnist for the big lead, and he is already game-planning how to take maximum credit for all of San Diego native Evan Fitzner's positive contributions next season for Indiana. He is Ryan Phillips. I'm just enjoying this. I'm just going to go. All right, we're good. Um, yeah, I thought. Look, hey, hey, hey. 
the music I'm, is not done, I got to cue you. Ryan, what is your rant this week? You missed, you not, missed the best I, part not, of that. Not, look, at the I'm end, not, they say, we like the man. You would have really enjoyed that. that, was, I, no, that was you know what? I'm, I'm not waiting around for you, uh, Morris. We're not here on your timeline. There are people listening. They want their information. Uh, I, I, it's been a really slow week, but I, you know, I, after the Romeo commitment, it was going to be, I think. And, uh, I, I agree. I think the Fisner, uh, transfer was, was kind of fun just because he went to, he actually went to my rival high school in San Diego. Uh, I mean, years after me, I'm not going to date myself, but I'm older than he is. Uh, and and I thought that was an interesting pickup and, and a good move since I haven't been on to talk about it uh, since it happened. Uh, nice to get a tall shooter. But uh, one thing I do want to bring up is the fact that this past week, uh, we got a lot of new entries into the Indiana alumni family. I thought uh, it was great to see all those kids, you know, all the photos on my timeline of people graduating, uh, our, our buddy, uh, the coach, Brian Tonsoni's son graduated. I thought that was great to see pictures like that and see he and the family having fun down in, uh, down in Bloomington and, and, you know, all the pictures from campus with the graduates always makes me feel good, uh, and slightly older, but, uh, you know, it was nice. I thought I, I always, every year that happens, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a nice reminder of, uh, how special, uh, everything associated with Indiana is. And, uh, you know, there's now new Indiana graduates out in the world. Absolutely. All right. Here are the topics and questions that we are going to address this week. We will review the incoming recruit, recruits not named Romeo Langford. We spent a lot of time talking about Romeo. We're going to talk about the guys not named Romeo. What is their single biggest strength that could earn them early playing time, as well as their single biggest weakness that could keep them off the court as they play their freshman seasons? We'll then discuss our thoughts on which recruit is most likely to be looked back on someday as being undervalued coming in. And we look back on the most undervalued recruits in Indiana history. And there's a very rich history uh, of undervalued recruits coming to Indiana and outperforming low expectations. And then with whatever time we have left, we will answer your questions. All of that coming here on this edition of Assembly Call Radio. Now, before we go any further and get to that stuff, I do want to take a quick minute to talk about our friends at Mecham Auctions. We've been telling you about them. And, you know, not that we needed it, but this offseason was a great reminder of just how crazy Hoosiers are about their basketball. And if there is one thing that comes close to the basketball love in Indiana, it's the state's love for auto racing. With the Indy 500 right around the corner and the weather getting nicer, what Mecham has is a great auction event for families who are looking for something fun to do together. Because Mecham Auctions is hosting their 31st original spring classic car auction at the Indiana State Fairgrounds, May 15th through May 20th. That's next Tuesday through Sunday. And if you're wondering what you will find at this auction, well, here's what it is. 2,000 classic and collector cars, everything from muscle cars and race cars to classics and exotics. But more than that, it's a family-friendly environment that makes it perfect for a family outing. Oh, and there will be some big-name uh, big sports tie-ins as well with MLB Hall of Famer Reggie Jackson selling 18 cars from his private collection. And Meekum will also be offering the green 1967 Corvette that was gifted to Bart Starr for winning the Super Bowl I MVP award. Gates open daily at 7.30. Tickets and bidder registration is available in advance at Meekum.com. Again, it's Meekum's 31st original spring classic car auction at the Indiana State Fairgrounds, Tuesday, May 15th through Sunday, May 20th. Go to Meekum.com for more information. Thank you. 
All right, you are listening to Assembly Call Radio. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And guys, let's start talking about the recruits. Uh, I'm sure everybody saw you know, this class, the incoming class of 2018. It's a top 10 class, and obviously the biggest reason for that is Romeo Langford, a top five recruit, the headliner. But this is a class that we were all very happy with and very excited about even before Romeo signed. And so I want to take this opportunity to go through guy by guy and not give complete scouting reports on them, but let's talk about what they're really good at and maybe what the thing is that they're going to have to work on the most. So I think to do this and make it useful, let's just assume that everybody needs to work on size and strength and you know learning the conditioning uh, at the major conference level. That's going to be an issue for all freshmen. So we don't need to talk about those, but let's talk about some of the other attributes. And Ryan, let's go to you first and let's start with the guy who was rated the highest after Romeo, which is Jerome Hunter. Uh, as you look at him, as you watched the tape of Jerome Hunter, uh, what were the what was the biggest thing that stuck out in terms of a strength that could get him on the court early next season? And what's the biggest thing he's going to have to work on? You know what I loved about Jerome is the fact that he's still new to the game and he can score from anywhere on the floor. I mean, he can shoot threes. I mean, <clears throat> he may not be a dead eye three point shooter yet, uh, but he can shoot the three. He can drive and score at the rim or he can. You see a lot this year, actually, of him with his back to the basket posting up, probably just because he grew and they're trying to take advantage of his length and size. And and then he can also hit a mid-range jumper. And you know how I love a mid-range jumper, Jared. I think you're in the same boat. I mean, it's a lost art. Uh, but it's I a lost think, art because it's inefficient. Yeah, well, it's still fun to watch every once in a while. <laughs> Unless you're really uh, good at it, then it's not so inefficient. Yeah, then it's fine. Yeah, yeah. you hit him, it's fine. But so I, I think that it, he... I just like that he has a full he can score from the full floor and, and, and that's something that's rare these days. A lot of guys are three or rim guys. He makes it happen, uh, you know, from all over the floor. And I think tied in with that is just, and, and with his scoring ability is how instinctive he is for his relative newness to the game. I mean, this isn't the guy who's been playing since he was five years old, you know? And so I think that all is, uh, it, it sort of ties together. Uh, for him and, and what I think stands out the most when you watch uh, full game film of him. Yeah, to me, you know, the versatility definitely stands out. But the one thing... For sure, that's tied in there from being able to score everywhere, I think, is his versatility helps that, for sure. Yeah, and and the other thing I really like about him, and I learned this after that matchup with Darius Basley, is his competitiveness. Like, he loved having that mano-a-mano matchup and taking it upon himself to shut him down. Darius Basley, who was going to go to Syracuse and now is going straight to the G League. I mean, this is a talented player. And Jerome shut him down. I mean, Jerome got the better of him. And I like seeing guys in high school not just beat up on guys that they're bigger than, guys that they're better than, but rise to the challenge against other highly ranked guys. And you could see the interview. I think it might have been Peegs that did the interview with him. And you just saw how excited he was to have that matchup. And I think that competitiveness is going to play well with his coach, Archie Miller, who's obviously known like that. And I think that'll serve him well, even early in his tenure. Hey, in you know who else got the better of uh, Darius? Romeo, Romeo Langford. Langford. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, Andy, you want to jump in on Jerome? Yeah, I think the thing that'll be interesting with him, and I think this is true with a lot of guys around his size, you know, as Ryan mentioned, played with his back to the basket. Even as you look at different recruiting services, they kind of classify him. Some as a more of a wing, small forward guy, some as a power forward. Um, you, you know, it'll be interesting for me to watch where he really kind of settles in from a lineup perspective. We talked a decent amount last week on the show about all the versatility that's going to be there. 
with uh, with the roster that Archie has at this point. And so he's a guy that could maybe be a swing guy. Can he can you really put him in the post if you play small? Uh, or does he really, you know, embrace more of that wing role and, and be able to, you know, step out and make shots consistently? I think from a competitiveness standpoint, I don't think there's any questions. It, it really just turns into, you know, where does he settle in uh, to his role on the team, which I think will be uh, interesting to watch. And I think that's true of a lot of guys that size in high school. It's easy to play inside because you're just bigger than everybody. Yep. Um, now that that's not true, where does he really shake out from a roster standpoint? I think he's a wing. I I, I just think he's a pure wing. I, I agree with you that I think they played him as opposed to times this year, because the teams that were playing didn't have anyone who could check him, you know, at his size and with the length that, that he has. So um, I, I, I would say that, that I thought that I, I think that he's a pure wing. I think he's a guy who will wind up being on the wing, even if he continues to grow just because he has that skill set. And again, he has that skill set without having played, you know, that much. He's already really far along. Mm-hmm. Ryan, what, what do you think is the biggest weakness? I would say ball handling and and it tied in with that too is just a general aggressiveness and that goes that goes into to boards as well. I, the ball handling is a skill you can train. I don't think it's a huge problem, but I do think that at times when he gets the ball, he kind of is and and it's not a bad trait, but he's looking where to go with it and he's not as concentrated on his ball handling and that kind of ties into a lack of sort of aggressiveness and get up and go when he gets the ball. Now, in Archie's offense, you got to get up and go. I mean, it is he wants to run and move the ball up the court. And so I think that that that's going to be an issue. And and with that aggressiveness factor, I think just attacking the boards on rebounds. I think he gains rebounds because, again, he's tall, he's long. At the next level, he's really going to have to get more aggressive on the boards. All right, coming up, we are going to continue our breakdown of the biggest strengths and biggest weaknesses for each of Indiana's incoming freshmen, and then we will discuss which of them has the best chance of someday being added to the list of undervalued IU basketball recruits before we talk about who the most undervalued IU basketball recruits of all time are. All of that coming on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And don't forget, if you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of Assembly Call Radio, there are two great ways to catch up. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Assembly Call. Or you can join our live Thursday night broadcast or watch the video replays by subscribing to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. So guys, uh, we started last segment going through the 2018 incoming recruits not named Romeo, talking about their biggest strength and their biggest weakness as they head to campus uh, as freshmen that will determine whether they get on the court or maybe whether they don't get on the court in their first year. So let's we started with Jerome Hunter, the highest rated of the recruits. Let's go down the list now. I think these ratings are from 24-7 sports. Uh, but Demise Anderson was the next highest guy, so the third on the list. He's ranked number 92. Ryan, I think we all know his biggest strength, right? Which is shooting. I mean, this guy can get red hot. He's a three-point shooter for a program that has been starred for them, you know, the last year or two. But I think you actually have a question about how well his shooting is going to translate to the next level. I've not made that a secret. Uh, look, I think that his his biggest attribute isn't necessarily his shooting. It's that his shots go in. I it, like, and, and I know that sounds weird but it's not his shooting form it's not his ability to three-point shoot it's the fact that the balls go in the basket and and and, 
that he's is his best. I mean, he's just, yeah, and and he's not a pure shooter. If you look at his form and stuff like that, he's not a pure shooter. But he puts points on the board, and and there some guys just can't do that, you know. So I while I do think that there are some issues there that need to get ironed out. And look, all of Demise's issues are fixable, you know. I so I don't want people to think that I'm 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 dogging on the kid when I when I bring them up. It's just. I've, I've heard a lot of people say, well, he's a shooter. I need shooters. So he's going to play a lot next year. I'm not sure if that's the case because I think that there's a lot of work that needs to happen, but that doesn't mean he cannot be, if you're six foot seven, like Demisi is, and you can hit shots, you will find your way onto the court in college basketball. I don't know if it'll be as a freshman as much. I mean, I'm sure he'll see time. I don't think he's red shooting, um, but I think that you will see him. Uh, eventually get on the court if he works on it and gets better because you're six seven and you can shoot you'll find your way onto the court in college basketball so what are some of the weaknesses then um i i honestly i i couldn't come up with with just one without mentioning others so i i've, I've mentioned before that he has sort of a looseness to his game where i i there's there's tight players and there are loose players tight players are ones that keep the ball really close to their body you know and and you know they swing it through and dribble real tight real close to their body keep it within you know sort of like a little like zone. yogi yogi was a tight yes player. yogi's a perfect guy for that jordan halls was like that too jordan halls never got out of control and loose players are out of control constantly um, so I just think that, you know, and it's guys when they like hold the ball, they'll hold it a little too low and it's easy for defenders to snap it away and, you know, things like that. And also when they shoot, they don't always have the same motion every time. They don't have real quick, you know, short movements to get into their shot and all that stuff. Demisi is a really sort of lanky guy and he sort of just has really long movements and things like that. So he's, he's what I call a, a, a loose player. And I think he just needs to work on technique and fundamentals. And it's things like, you know, squaring your feet before you shoot instead of just having them, however, and just going up with your release. I think snapping his release off, snapping his wrist, something he doesn't do consistently. And when he does it, he makes the shot. You know, it's, there's, there's, there's video evidence to be like, Hey dude, when you do it like this, you make your shots. When you don't, you miss. So let's work on that. But I also think that Demisi so good has has had such a great high school career that it's all come very easy to him, and he's gonna have to work really hard in college to make up for you know the fact that he hasn't faced the competition he's gonna face at the next level, which a lot of guys do. And you mentioned that off the top, but I think with him, everything has come so easily. And we saw it with James Blackman Jr. as well. His freshman year, he couldn't score at the rim because he'd always been able to do it so easily in high school and never stepped up his game. He got better as he went along, but I think Demise is going to face some of the same trouble. And, and with that sort of technique and I think a consistent effort in things like rebounding and all that stuff will need to be addressed. But again, a guy who it comes easy to in high school, you can't really be mad at for not developing those things because he was winning and he was, you know, scoring a lot of points and doing a lot of, you know, great things on the court. So it's just going to be, I think the, the step up in competition is going to be a lot for him. So that's Demisi. And depending on what recruiting service you look at, some have Demisi rated higher than Robert Finnessy. Others have Robert Finnessy rated higher, but Robert Finnessy is the next guy on the list. And he's a guy that a lot of IU fans are excited about for a program that has been starved of true point guard play for two years now, since having one of the best point guards in school history having a guy with Robert's profile is really exciting. And he's a guy that a lot of people are expecting to play pretty significant minutes as a freshman. Um, you know, to me, Ryan, when I look at Robert, having, you know, seen him play, not in person, but seen him play on tape, having talked to him, I, and, you know, seeing interviews with him, 
I think his consistency level as a player and a person uh, and his basketball IQ are the biggest strength that can get him on the court early. Um, because that, to me, he has those in rare quantities for a freshman. And combined with some of his skills, I think those are going to really help him. What do you see as the biggest strength that can get him on the court as a freshman for Indiana? I see a couple things that are really close together for me as like a top thing. One is he's just he has an incredible basketball IQ. He's really smart. Um, he's got he's very quick and it's deceptively quick. He does this hesitation dribble that just nobody can guard. They just it's guys jump at him and he just goes right by them. Uh, and the last thing is he plays bigger than his size. He's only 5'11", but he, as you see him when he attacks and, and when he rebounds, he just plays like a bigger guy. He's not that big. And maybe that goes away when he moves against even bigger guards because I know he's struggled against guys with size a few times when he's been on the, uh, you know, on the AAU circuit and things like that. But I think that he's a guy who plays bigger than his size, and I think that he makes the fact that he's 5'11 actually work for him because he can kind of sneak in between guys when they're not sort of expecting him to. Um, so those are the things I like about him. I, I, I agree with you. I think that the consistency is so great with him. And I, I like how he's consistently gotten better every single year. That's huge for me because guys who consistently get better every year and don't have just one huge jump in their play, but guys who are consistently challenging themselves and getting better usually continue that at the next level. Well, and I think what's interesting about him is if people have talked about this over the course of his high school career, kind of played different roles, you know, in a senior year had to take on a little bit more of a scoring role. So yeah. I think, when you put a guy like that into a situation where you wouldn't expect him to need to do that, he he's easily able to kind of you know mold himself into what's needed at the time. And um, you know, we we lamented on many a post game show last year the lack of a true point guard, and you know, he, he fits that mold. Whether he fits that mold this year uh, at the beginning, by the end of the season, or or into his sophomore year. Uh, remains to be seen, but I think that's the you know the upside is a guy who really plays under control at the point guard spot, gets guys the ball where they want it, um, and and can score when you need him to, but is most focused on getting other guys involved first. I think is uh, a, a big deal. I I think that comes for him. Uh, it's just a matter of when. So let's talk about Robert's biggest weakness. You know, it, it, it's it's weird. I mean, obviously, I think his biggest weakness is kind of the size strength thing. And we said we're not going to mention that. I'll tell you the weakness that I think could give him some trouble as a freshman. And it's his outside shot. Like he's a good three point shooter. But, you know, you look at his percentages from the high school line. They don't blow you away. Now, the nice thing is he got better every year. Thirty three percent as a sophomore, thirty four as a junior, thirty six percent this year as the se- as a senior. So you like that. But now going to, you know, a, 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 obviously a further out line, uh, you know, going to bigger defenders, quicker defenders. Is he going to be able to shoot a high enough percentage from three to keep people honest so that he can then still, you know, penetrate and get inside the lane like he's going to need to? So it's not a glaring weakness. Like it's not like the guy is, you know, going to go out there and shoot 20 percent. But can he become a 39, 40, 41 percent three point shooter? Because if he can, that really takes him to the next level. If he's down in the low 30s, you know, now he's in, you know, not even Josh Newkirk territory. Um, so I think to me, that's going to be the big thing that could help determine how much he plays as a freshman. Yeah, uh, right here. Shooting consistency. You can see it written down on the paper. I mean, that that's what it is. His, his shot looks better. I, I remember watching film on him last summer and thinking, yeah, it's going to be an issue he needs to work on. I thought his senior year, it looked better. But he also, I think he shot more this year. And, and so his percentage wasn't going to make a huge jump. Uh, because as Andy said, he needed to take on more of a scoring load. And, and plus, you know, when you're a senior and you're playing every minute of the game, your legs aren't necessarily going to always be there. Uh, so I, I think that 
that is the big issue for him. I think his shot looks much better and I think that he'll be fine. And again, when, again, the consistency of getting better, because I think he's gotten better every year. That's something you can look at and feel confident in. This is a guy who knows he needs to continue to work on his game, which I appreciate. I know Indiana fans will appreciate that too. Yep. You're listening to the assembly call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. We were talking about the biggest strengths and the biggest weakness of each of Indiana's incoming 2018 recruits, not named Romeo Langford. Let's talk next about Jake Forrester. Uh, 24-7 has him rated as the 131st prospect. And when you look at his biggest strength, you know, he, he's an athletic guy. He's a bouncy guy, an energy guy. I actually think that the biggest strength that could help him play early on is he's a guy who understands his role. Like he really seems to know who he is. He doesn't have to be the star. He's played with other great players before. He's played on teams stacked with talent. He doesn't try to do too much. He knows who he is and what he does. And I think that's not something that all freshmen come in with because they're used to being the star. And I think he'll have a humility as a freshman that maybe isn't common. And so I think that will help him accept the role and maybe be able to get on the court in a supporting role earlier on if some of the other skills come along. So that to me is the biggest strength. Ryan, what do you have for Jake? Well, for me, it's the fact that like he's 6'8", but he plays much bigger because of his athleticism. And his athleticism is his best trait, I think. He's a guy who, you know, offensively, you don't really see him do much other than catch lobs and dunk, you know, or finish at the rim. I mean, those that's pretty much all he does. And, and those things can get better and improve. But given Indiana's dearth along the front line and the unknown status of a guy like Deron Davis, that can get you on the court with this Indiana team, you know, as a depth player. Uh, what I would say is he's, he's what we call a run and jump big man who's just he, he runs the floor and on defense, he will jump up and down on offense. He will jump up and down get the ball, dunk it, whatever that that's what those guys are. Uh, a guy like Deron Davis is not a run and jump big man. For example, he's pretty much the opposite of, of what I would call a run and jump big man. So there are uses for both kinds of guys and what you would ideally get is a guy who can do sort of everything. And, and Thomas Bryant sort of turned into that where he would run the floor. He could, you know, use his length and athleticism on both ends of the court, but he also could post up, have solid post moves, then step out and hit a shot. I mean, so there was balance there. Uh, that's what you're aiming for with a guy like Jake. He's a guy who I think knows he needs to get better. Every interview you read is him talking about developing his skills. And you're right, Jared. He's played on teams where he has not been the featured guy. And there's a benefit to that. There really is. A guy like Victor Oladipo was like that in high school for years. As he was on Demath, he was at Dematha, which is a great high school. He knew he had to consistently get better just to even get on his high school floor. So with Jake, I think there's a possibility that he's going to come in ready to work and ready to improve. And, and hopefully that pays off down the line. Biggest weakness for him shooting, you think? I, I think that's part of it, but I think in general, what I had written down is that he's raw. And I think that yeah. shooting goes into that. I think that, you know, ball handling goes into that. Uh, he's not, I mean, even catching the ball in traffic as a big man, you got to be good at that. And you got to be good at one or two dribbles and go up. And he's just not developed there yet. So I think it's just general, you know, rawness. And, and he's basically a big athlete right now and, and needs to continue to develop all this basketball skills. So one other guy that we want to talk about here is Race Thompson, and he's not often mentioned anymore in the class of 2018 because he matriculated to Bloomington last year, but he would be another four-star player in this recruiting class. But and he was top, I think he was like top 75 top this year, wasn't he? Yeah, and he's yeah. had the benefit of redshirting now. So he's gotten to work with Cliff Marshall. He's gotten to learn the pack line. Um, so every piece of analysis that we're going to give right now is based on a year-old tape and not the player that he currently is. So we don't really know 
really what his strengths and weaknesses are right now because we don't know how much better he's gotten in a year in Bloomington. But as you look at race, you know, based on what you saw from him as a senior in high school, what do you project as his biggest strengths and weaknesses in his first year I, playing next year? His confidence finishing at the rim. He finishes through contact. He can dunk it hard. I mean, he's he's an underrated athlete. I remember I gave a scouting report on him when he committed. We we did a show where we we did a scouting report and. I loved the fact that as a young guy, he was finishing through contact and that he was, you know, finishing hard at the rim instead of just, you know, taking a bump and maybe just throwing a wild shot up. He was going through people to finish. And that's so rare for guys that age. And, and given a year in the system, you know, the, the strength and conditioning system and a year practicing and a year getting used to uh, the, you know, just the offense and, and the flows of college, basically. I expect things out of race this year. I really do. I think he's going to be a great player for Indiana. Yeah, I think he's got such a leg up. It's been a long time since we really had a guy redshirt and be able to benefit from that. And I think you see, you know, Villanova's been able to use that pretty yep. effectively. I think we've touched on that. Gonzaga before. too. Um, yeah, Gonzaga. Those are probably the two two most prominent examples. So I think um, I'm I'm really ex- he's a guy that I'm really excited to see play because while the other guys are going through some of those growing pains as they get there, he's kind of got that out of his system and and should just be ready to play and has already been able to test himself against the Juwan Morgan in practice and, and those kinds of things and that can only be uh, only be a positive and and you know we you kind of threw out that yeah you know, we can't say size and strength um, for everybody because that's kind of a, a given um, with him you know he's had a chance to address some of those things and. Uh, and so I think that's that's really positive. I think he'll be able to step on the floor right away. And uh, from all the things I remember hearing back about, you know, there's some versatility there, the ability to step out and shoot. And uh, I think you see a little bit more of, you know, with Fitzner coming in, that's something they're, they're looking at. And I think uh, with race, he gives some some good versatility as well and uh, be able to settle in, give a lot of good effort already ahead of the curve, learning the, the pack line and all those kinds of things that we'll probably talk about. The other guys are, uh, you know, we'll take some time to pick up. So uh, it'd be interesting to see that. And, you know, as you look at a big class like this and some of the other guys that IU has coming in, uh, it'll be interesting to see how much redshirting really plays a factor in what Archie Miller does going forward and, and maybe how race does will be uh, a good test case for that. Yeah. Jared, do you remember when we were in Bloomington and race walk, we were down on the floor and race walked by and I looked at you and I was just like, dude, he's big. He's huge. Like, he <laughs> yeah. looked so much bigger than he did, uh, you know, in high school. It wasn't, it wasn't quite the same as when we saw OG in person. Cause that no, was that, he was incredible, enormous, yeah. but race was surprisingly big. I was not prepared for him to be that tall and, and that big. And I was expecting him to be like kind of a bigger guy, but he looked built and he had shoulders and he was taller than he looks on on film and everything. So, yeah, he's de- they've been doing some some good work with him. Yes. Clearly. Now, based on where these guys were ranked, which one could we end up looking back uh, in the future as being undervalued? We're going to talk we doing, about that are we doing, next. Are we now, doing a weakness for race? Uh, we'll do that next because I already started okay. the music. So we got to get out of this segment, but we'll do Sorry. that weakness for race. And then we will look back at Indiana's storied history of finding diamonds in the rough as well. We'll discuss all of that. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
Oh, man. That's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry. I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Go to assemblycall.com right now to learn how to subscribe to our email newsletter or just text IU to 66866. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then you need to be on our newsletter list. You will get our weekly Six Banner Sunday news roundups as well as our post-game analysis emails once the season begins. It is all free and it will make you a smarter IU basketball fan. Go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. We're talking about the incoming freshman in the class of 2018, not named Romeo Langford. And Ryan, in our last segment, we ended talking about Race Thompson, uh, who obviously is not a member of the class of 2018, but redshirted last year. We talked about his strengths. We didn't talk about his weakness. So what do you think is the biggest weakness for him entering his first year of play? I, I don't find a lot of weaknesses or holes in his game, but I would say maybe versatility. Can he step out and hit shots consistently? I think that I've mentioned this before, and I've said that, you know, during the season and before last season, everything, he kind of reminds me of what we saw from Jawan Morgan in high school, where he's maybe primarily going to play in the post in high school. Uh, you saw him on sort of the club AAU circuit, stepping out on the floor and shooting more. I think that you're going to see him do both in college and develop into that, but it's about how quickly can he develop into the shooter? Maybe he's been shooting all off season or all season long and, and looks great. As you said, we, we haven't really seen much from him in a long time, but I think that that was the one thing when I was watching him, uh, you know, rewatching film of him. I think that he is, is whether or not he can shoot from the outside consistently. So, now that we've talked about each of these guys, individual strengths and weaknesses, uh, you know, Romeo is the headliner. Big things are expected of Romeo. But as you look at this list of players, who do you think has the best chance of us someday, you know, looking back on them and saying, wow, were they undervalued as a recruit? And it's interesting. It's an interesting conversation, I think, because, you know, a guy like Jerome Hunter, who's a high four star level player, you know, what would he have to do for that to, you know, truly be undervalued? You know, be an All American, be, you know, be a first team All Big Ten selection. You know, whereas a guy like Jake Forrester, you know, if he makes an All Big Ten team at some point, you're looking at him being a three star guy. It's like, wow, he was really undervalued. And we've seen guys from down at Jake Forrester's recruiting level, 137. That's where Victor Oladipo was. That's where Will Sheehy was. That's where uh, Juwan Morgan was a little bit higher than that. But that's where Jordan Hulls was. And a lot of these guys you know, ended up outperforming that level. And then obviously you've got Robert Finnessy and Demise Anderson, who were both right around 100. So, Andy, as you look at these guys, which one do you think has the most potential you know, to, to, to really someday be a guy, maybe not on the level of an Oladipo, but a guy like an Oladipo or one of those where you're like, wow, you know, they really outperformed their recruiting ranking. Yeah, the Hunter one is interesting because I think it, it kind of gets, I don't know if it's just because he's not from Indiana and the, the focus has been on, you know, getting Indiana kids and things like that. But I think if you had asked a number of people like where he was ranked compared to the other guys, I think for, I guess just in terms of, general fan excitement about him i don't know that it necessarily lines up with the fact that he's you know ranked higher than than everybody in the class but romeo so he's kind of an interesting one where i guess if you if you base it on recruiting rankings then he's probably not uh the the logical choice there if you base it on kind of buzz and things like that then maybe he is somebody who outperforms that i think what's his ceiling do we think like what do we think hunter's ceiling legitimately could be Uh, 
I don't, I don't I, know. It's hard to project that kind of stuff without seeing him on the floor in the system, but I, I would say his ceiling is an all-Big Ten player. I think, um, you know, maybe verging on all American, but it's going to be hard for him to do that right away with Romeo there, you know, because Romeo is going to take so much attention, but he's a guy who I think stays two or three years and can wind up being a, a really, really good draft pick. I mean, he's got that six, seven wing versatility, which is prized in the NBA. He can play both ways. Um, so I think, I think that's a guy who look, you're the 40, whatever ranked recruit in the country. We're expecting you to come in and be, a leader and be a, a big time player for us. It's going to depend on what he's surrounded with too, though. I mean, if you get Trace Jackson Davis next year, if you get, you know, other guys who are more skilled and get more time on the floor, then it's going to be, it, you know, it's, it's really going to depend. But I think, I think an all big 10 player who's ranked in the top 40, I don't think that's a, I mean, he's, know, he's roughly ranked about where Christian Watford was, if I recall correctly. I mean, yeah. do you and Christian Watford had a great career, but wasn't necessarily like all Big Ten level. Do you think his ceiling for a career is higher than what Christian Watford produced? I think he's a, I think he's a more complete player. Yeah, uh, yeah. Watford. You know, a lot of times these rankings are based too on purely on ceiling. So, you know, you get a guy who's like 6'10" but isn't a great basketball player yet, but he's got so much athleticism and he's got this and he's got that. And he looks like he's going to be a lottery pick if he just develops, you know, Hunter so Perea. I mean, honestly, and, and that that's a fair point. And, and I, I think that he's just going to be such a good basketball player that, you know, there may not be like a ton of NBA level projection for him uh, as far as size and athleticism and all that stuff go. But I think he's going to be such a good basketball player that he could, move himself into that conversation certainly so but i think he's a guy who's gonna stick around for a while and develop steadily yeah yeah i, I realize i never actually answered your question but that was well, i, that I was, kind of interrupted good, you rudely well no that was okay i don't know that i was on my, I my way to answering it either way but uh you're stealing I, my thing jared by interrupting. i guess i would uh i, I guess i'd be inclined to say fantasy and, and maybe not from a makes it to the nba type of scenario where i think that's you, you know you kind of mentioned the old Oladipo, that that's the probable extreme outlier as you as you really look at it. But I think when you look at what Finnessy is, you, you look at what he's done in high school, it, it's hard to see him not being successful on some level. And if they can continue to recruit the way that they have been and you surround a guy like him with other guy with you know high level talent, it, it it's hard for me to to think that you don't look back at the end of his career and he's got some pretty gaudy assist numbers and really is that you know prototypical point college point guard that that you have so i i would be inclined to say him although i think race thompson's interesting in that regard but i guess if i was you know pressed from a college career standpoint it would probably be fantasy for me yeah fantasy's hard for me because i'm already expecting so much from him i have to remember that's the thing <laughs> it, it, it's weird about this because i would think that if you're talking to like you know average IU fans, they would be more excited about Finnessy because he's a point guard and fills a need and they know so much more about him because he's from Indiana than Hunter, you know, but Hunter is, I'm sorry, I love Finnessy, but Hunter is clearly the better player right now, or at least has the better, you know, he's, he's the better uh, prospect. Certainly. Yeah. That, that's the better way. That's a much better way to put it. Um, I, I think if you're looking strictly at recruiting ranking though, I would go with Finnessy as well. I think that he's ranked too low, quite frankly. I think he's very undervalued outside of Indiana. And I, I think the state, I think people in the state of Indiana love him and he's very, you know, highly regarded here, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I think that that's the guy that, that, that is the most underrated in this class and, and will rise to the highest level given his ranking. 
You know, and I think for this, you know, when you talk about who we're going to look back on and really, you know, kind of be surprised at how undervalued they are, when you talked about Demise Anderson and some of his skills and some of the things he needs to work on, if he can work on some of those things, if he can shore up his ball handling and he really works on his conditioning and improves his shot mechanics to where his already good shot gets even more consistent, when you have a guy who has that kind of natural scoring ability and you think about what he could be by the time he's a junior and a senior, he could very well outperform you know, a ranking in the 90s or the 100s because sure. you're always going to get on the court if you can score points. And you know you have to think that you know Archie will be able to motivate him to play defense. So it is. It's it's going to depend on who else comes in, what the fits are on the roster. But I think Demizi is interesting. You know, given where he is around 100, and given what he's so good at scoring, you know, if he can shore up some of the other things, he's he's a uh, he's got a, a pretty high ceiling as a prospect. I think if he can do some of those things, so. It'll it'll be interesting to see, and you know I think what kind of makes this fun. Um, and let me uh, take a quick second and remind you who we are here. This is the assembly column. Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. You know, but what makes this fun is is thinking about all the guys who have outperformed their recruiting rankings. And I mentioned some of them earlier. You know, just you know here in the Tom uh, Tom Crean era that we are, are just out of. You know, obviously OG was the two hundred ninety fourth rated recruit. Uh, a three-star guy. He clearly, you know, outperformed that. Victor Oladipo, Juwan Morgan, Jordan Hulls. Here, here's something funny, guys. I was looking at the 24-7 list, and they go back to 2002. So tell me what all seven of these guys have in common, okay? T. John Job, Tim Priller, Jeremiah April, Grant Galon, Max Montana, formerly Max Hotzel, Lance Stemmler, and OG Ananobi. <laughs> what, do you all, what do those guys all have in common? Fantastic names. They were, <laughs> they were sixty-one through sixty-seven. Oh, and Guy Mark Michelle. They were the last eight of since two two thousand two, the lowest-rated recruits incoming to Indiana. And OG Ananobi was in that list, and he turned into a first-round pick, which and is was insane. starting for a playoff team this year as a rookie. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about that? And, I, and you know, hey, we all said we thought he was the most underrated player in the country when he came when he committed, though. Well, yes, I said it, and you guys agreed. <laughs> well, but what's interesting wow. about that, obviously, is up your own material yeah. for yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. lobbing no, questions to yourself. Have you met me? Have you met me before, Andy? Come on now. <laughs> but it is, you know, it's a reminder that as you know, the the national narrative spins out of control with just Victor Oladipo and and OG Ananobi, the survivorship bias that will happen now with Tom Crean as being the picker of diamonds in the rough. But this is a reminder of all of the other guys that he took chances on that were well, well below that didn't even turn into functional college players you know and so og obviously the big outlier there but some of these other guys and that's it's one of the reasons why indiana's roster construction was so poor over time is because yeah you know, those guys Lan- didn't become players lance stemler was a kelvin sampson special i remember that he, he was. actually you know he had an okay time yeah he was okay he and he was a juco the guy, other guys so was the other guys all pretty much transferred i mean hotzel galon yeah uh april and tijon all transferred didn't they yeah so Guimard Rochelle never transferred in, so he can't have transferred out. <laughs> you can't leave somewhere you never he got really he got started. a good education, Andy. <laughs> so you know, and you look at Indiana's history with undervalued recruits, and there's a lot there. And we don't have time to get into it now because we're coming up against it. And I want to get to your guys' questions. So what do you guys think about bumping that? to a future episode because you start going back. There's some really interesting names and it's kind of fun to remember. Holy crap. That guy wasn't even in the top 100. 
Um, let's just bump it to maybe next week yeah. or the week after, yeah. if you guys are sure. cool with that. It's that the right. off-season, man. Got to find stuff to talk about. It is. It is. Um, okay, so let's do that. So let's hop into our final segment. Uh, let's get to some questions. We will do that next. We've got a lot of great questions from you all uh, that you submitted. One asks us if we could play golf with two former current Hoosier basketball players and two professional golfers. Who would it be and why? It's one of the more interesting questions that we've had. So noodle on that. We'll be back. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, wrapping up another week of Talking IU Basketball. We've got some great questions from you all, so we want to hit as many of those as we can going forward. Uh, let's start with this first one. Andy, I'll go to you with this one from Joe. Everyone's excited about recruiting as I am, but I'm a little worried about guard depth in the future with Romeo likely one and done. Uh, your thoughts? I mean, I think so much of this becomes a year-to-year proposition. We see how much can change, so I... I- I agree with the general point, but again, in the, you know, how many times have we said it kind of works itself out. I think for this year, it'll be fine. And I think you're getting more versatile guys who can, you know, step into those, those roles if need be. Um, but I think you've got, you know, certainly if a rash of injuries hits, maybe, maybe I, I changed my tune on this, but I think for this upcoming year, um, you know, assuming everything stays as it is, I think you've got a, you know, a decent group with, you know, Devante, Rob Finnessy and uh, Al Durham to go with Romeo. And then you try to figure out who else you can mix and match from there. But I do think it, it certainly will be a focus of recruiting going forward because you got to figure that out at, at some point. But, um, you know, keep getting some versatile guys in there like they have been. And, and and we talked about you could end up putting a lineup out there that has the same skills as, as you know, you'd expect from a guard, but also has some really good size as well. So that's the you know flip side of that is you, you could have some really interesting lineups in that way. And it's clearly being prioritized in the class of 2019 and future classes as well. So they they understand. Uh, Ryan, let's talk about Joel's question. He says, is the college basketball trend towards the NBA model of guards being the dominant position because of the three-point shot? Are the metrics affecting how coaches teach the game? And is Archie using those metrics? I think it's quite obvious that the three-point shot grows more and more important every year. Villanova proved that. What I kind of find interesting about Joel's question is the use of the term guards because I kind of feel like guard is going to start becoming an antiquated term. It's more about can you handle the ball and can you shoot, you know, no matter what size. So you may be, you know, have the size of a traditional forward, but you can still shoot threes. And if you can handle the ball a little bit, you can still fulfill that role. It doesn't have to be a guard per se, but the trend is obvious. Yeah, no, I I think that the, the he's right about three point shooting. I think that that's becoming the trend and that's going to continue to be the trend until they develop a four point shot. And then you're going to have to, it's going to be that, you know, I mean, it's, it is so much more efficient to shoot threes. If you can make them uh, at a, at a, a, even at a below 50% clip, it's more efficient than shooting twos at a 60% clip. So um, I think that you are seeing that move. And, and, and I agree with you that I, that it's not just guards, it's everybody and, and it's wings. And you look, you can't go to the NBA Unless you're just a ridiculous defender, you can't go into the NBA and not be able to shoot these days. You can't at all. So I, I think that guys like you like you said, it's not guards. It's guys who can handle the ball and shoot. Kevin Durant, not a guard. LeBron James is not a guard, but they can do everything. And, and the, the versatility is, I think, what the NBA and what college basketball uh, really values right now is the versatility to sort of do everything. All right. This is from Jeremy. If you could play golf with two former or current Hoosier basketball players and two professional golfers, 
Who would they be and why? And what golf course would you choose, Andy? I, you know, I'm not sure I could name two professional golfers. No, but uh, let's see. As far as the IU players, I mean, it would, one of them would have to be Calvert Chaney. Just yes, you know, for you know obvious reasons. Anyway, he's listening to the show for a while. Um, outside of that, I I don't know. I mean, Tom Coverdale seems like he'd be fun to play around a golf. That with. was that was a name that uh, that was a name that came to mind. Although hearing holes talk about Elston showing up and playing in flip flops, <laughs> yeah. apparently on the uh, on that podcast this week, I may be somewhat interested to see that. Um, I I'll say, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll come back to that golfers. Uh, I feel like John Daly feels, seems like a good, seems like a good answer. Um, you'd have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's, that's important. See, I, I, I would like, arrest, I would like get to, arrested, but you'd have fun. Yeah, I would want it to see. be tiger and Phil and just let them have yep. their mono a mono thing. While I, while we talk basketball with Calbert and you know, anybody yeah. else, I think it'd be cool to have Matt Nover on talk with him about, uh, talk with him about blue chips. He'd yeah. be, he'd be fun. Yeah, there'd be a lot. I mean, we could get a whole. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd probably say Tiger is the other one. I mean, he was. I was at IU in in school when he was really, you know, in his in his heyday. And so, just to you know, kind of harken back to that a little bit, I guess I'll say uh, the Coverdale one was interesting. I think AJ Moye would be would be a good one. Oh I think there'd be a lot of good stories from him. So I'll I'll say him as my second. Or George idea. Leach, and he could bring some barbecue. There's, oh, so, there's so many options here. So many. Yeah, options. I mean, we just, I would we go with to host a golf boost from John Daly. You're you're yeah. set. Yeah, I would go with Oladipo and Cody Zeller because I think it would be entertaining as heck. And I'm not a golfer. Uh, and, and I would say uh, my two golfers would be Tiger and Phil. I don't think there's any other answer than that. that I can't great. believe you didn't say Killingsworth is one of the IU players. No, yeah. no. It'd be all about Marco. And let's face it, whenever I do anything, it's all about me. So. No, well, there, there we go. Uh, and then a follow-up to this was if the assembly call hosts uh, and routine guests were to play a game of golf, who would win? So none of the three of us play golf, so that would be a comedy. I think all of us would lose. The three of us play, and I think whoever's driving the beer cart is the winner in that. uh, It would just be Bob Knight outtake after Bob Knight outtake. I'm not sure about Coach or Zach or any of the other folks, um, but we we really should play around to golf and just let someone follow us around with a camera, and it or at least like might be entertaining. (laughs) Yeah, it might take us as long to play three holes as it would a a full round. So. Any any final thoughts on golf, Ryan? Before we wrap up here in about three seconds, I'm terrible. It's it's the I can usually pick up a sport pretty quickly. Golf, nope. Mark that. I got to get that drop of you saying I'm terrible. I'm going to get that. All right, that'll Awful. do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, 
Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.